0: Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, February 6th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend?
1: Pretty well. Had a nice, restful day after a long working one the day before. Kind of forgot how many Montreal apartments are stair-only without elevators. Somehow, the last month or so, just has left me oblivious to that fact and had a cold, pun intended, reminder or wake up to that reality. So glad to have some uh, rest on the docket for the next few days. Not a whole lot going on other than that. Uh, The skate hunt continues unsuccessfully. It turns out new skates have suffered from the extra demand and just as much as used yeah that's
0: tough but you get these couple days off to continue the hunt maybe you got to order them from somewhere maybe that's the play
1: yeah yeah it's just with skates it's so funny like i i do that with shoes but i really want to know what they feel like on my feet and i'm such a wimp about doing return orders (laughs) fair enough fair enough i feel that what's going to be the plan for the next couple days so
0: video games skate shopping
1: uh we'll see. Hopefully I've got uh, some podcast editing to go deep on with that nice. guest episode. Uh hopefully yes. what we'll catch as much of Rotterdam's open during the day as is available, nice. rest up and who knows what else. Perfect. I'm excited to find out myself, to be honest.
0: Nice. Well, while you have the couple of days off, I'll get back to work, but um, do have the first bit of a recreational sport myself tonight. First time since I think the end of November. So definitely going to be feeling it tomorrow. (laughs) You and I might trade places in a sense. Um, Looking forward to that. So why we had to start the podcast a little bit earlier tonight, it's around five o'clock Eastern at the time of recording. Uh, So we will miss some of the nightly action in the sports world, but not too much this weekend. Uh, Lower NBA volume, of course, the NHL All-Star break. uh, No football this week, just the Pro Bowl, but not too many people tune in for that. And then, yeah, uh, a, a lighter weekend, which means we have the opportunity to return some of our very favorite segments, Combat Corner, of course, will be kicking us
1: off in this one. So, Max, tell us about Saturday night. You almost implied there you don't care about the Pro Bowl and thus an all-star game. Almost. <laughs> um yeah, like we were I was saying last week, that time of the year where the regular season for NHL and NBA is just the novelty is long worn off the playoffs still too far away to get excited for. So I'm happy to go a little deeper on some of the other sports, combat and tennis on my list for today. But, um, This afternoon, I was able to watch the main event that happened last night in the UFC between Sean Strickland and Jack Hermanson that saw Sean Strickland put on a beautiful five-round performance for the decision win over Hermanson. Uh, So quick thoughts on that. Jack Manson, a guy who's a terrifying threat with the jiu-jitsu on the ground, his ability to find a neck, uh, versatility to roll, get, in, get a leg and make you tap from something like that makes it really a dangerous place to be. But he's also got some strength, some ferocity, some wildness in his striking that he often is able to use to transition into the ground game and that threat of the ground game kind of keeps that unexpected striking style a bit unexpected. And it's usually a pretty effective combination, even if in a fight against Marvin Vittori, which Hermanson lost. He did a lot of damage. It was a back and forth fun fight, but tonight, no nonsense from Sean Strickland. He completely shut Jack Hermanson down over five rounds. He did a fantastic job controlling his own output and pace, keeping the fight at the tempo he wanted it to, which was a very slow, minimal, but constant affair. His main weapon of choice was the jab and paired with his distance management, the footwork close enough that Hermanson always felt the threat, the pressure from Strickland's potential striking and Drew out a lot of that wild offense from Hermanson. But Strickland's such a master of range that Jack was never in that uh, frisky area where those swinging hooks start to have a good chance of connecting. From that half step farther back, Strickland was always able to see them from the moment of inception and get out of the way. And then simply relentless with his jab, always in a position where he can land it at will. And the calmness, the poise, the patience at that close distance just neutralized the inferior striker, Hermanson, and gave Strickland plenty of openings to land that jab. And that distance, that pressure also completely took away the takedown game from Hermanson. He tried several times, but he was never able to get to that hands clasped with momentum position. Uh, He had a couple chances where once in the first round, I think once in the fourth, maybe the fifth round, where he got Strickland's back against the cage on a single leg, clasped his hands for it, but even getting transitions, going, working the movement, trying to get Strickland going to cross and distribute his weight unevenly. Uh, Strickland was able to follow defensively and never never fall more than one step behind and recovered from those two instances and discouraged Hermanson enough uh, to not take wild shots. He doesn't have the explosive ability to really transfer from striking to takedowns in that half-second So he has to set it up well. And with Strickland mostly on the front front foot, always threatening, Hermanson simply didn't have the opportunity for the takedown. And in the first round, the striking looked even. I still gave that first round to Strickland because I valued jabs a lot more than kind of leg kicks that just touch and often are being somewhat checked, even if the numbers between those two were pretty even. But that type of fight from Strickland is just money in the bank and the dividends start to come out the later the fight goes on. As around the three-minute mark of the second round, you saw the distance really start to widen. As Hermanson, just after seven, eight minutes of having that jab threatened in his face, broke starts to break down starts to leave himself a little more exposed starts to swing a little more wildly and that's when strickland's jab starts to land more clean and that's when the right hand gets set up the heavier shots land and the positive growth cycle continues opening up more for strickland end of the second and third all his so that's the pros of strickland's fight he i don't actually know what the judge's decision were i stopped after the fifth round i Gave Strickland the fight five-nothing. I could see four-one or even I could see the fifth round for uh Hermanson actually a lot more than the first. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here because of the cons on Strickland. First, the leg kicks. Hermanson did land a lot. I don't think they did much damage. Uh Strickland was able to move with full mobility for the entire fight. But when you on the win streak strickland's on and you outclass the opponent the way he did you start to think about the next fight for him you start to think about the top of the division and right now that's israel adesanya to be determined after next weekend but one thing adesanya does spectacularly well is kick the leg out if you leave it there as an option for him to attack Uh, The frame difference, Adesanya much longer than the former welterweight Strickland. So the amount of leg kicks he allowed in order to stay in front, a huge concern for Strickland to take on the top of the division. And the other thing, I didn't have a problem with his pace in the first three rounds. I know he was getting some criticism from the commentary for taking his time, but he really shut Hermanson down with his pace. He was just ever so slightly nudging the accelerator those first three rounds. A very controlled style, but the best defense is a good offense, and that held true in those first three. But the fourth and fifth, he took his foot off the accelerator. He was still moving forward the whole fight. He still had the gas in the tank to coast and take that win, but it gave some space for Hermanson to start landing some damage of his own. Uh, Strickland was still out striking him, but he bloodied up... uh, Hermanson, or excuse me, he Hermanson bloodied up Strickland's nose in the fourth. He got close on a takedown attempt in the fifth, which he hadn't been able to do for the 20 minutes prior. So Strickland had just kept it going a little more aggressively, a little faster, had the focus a little sharper in that fourth and fifth round. You could call it an A plus of performance. I'd give him an A minus on this one. Like I said, I don't think he's at that title level yet. I think the loser of either Addison or Whitaker next weekend, unless Whitaker wins, that's almost definitely an immediate uh, rematch for the trilogy. In that case, maybe the loser or winner of Brunson Cannoneer. But you've got to put Strickland at the top of the pack with this dominant a performance over a guy like Jack Romanson and the win streak he's on. Uh, Sticking well to that New Year's fake, not real resolution to follow the UFC more. And this middleweight main event has me really hyped for that Asanya Whitaker rematch next weekend.
0: My favorite moment from this fight that you just broke down. I I was at a Chuck's Roadhouse last night, caught some of the fights. It's a very early card. Uh, Best moment, though, was Jack Hermanson getting absolutely fired up by was it bruce buffer announcing him mm-hmm. for that fight yeah and then the fist pump at the end or the fist bump between the two at the end i've never seen anything like that so i really i thought her was gonna win that purely based on of course my expert
1: knowledge of the ufc and how <laughs> amped he was during that announcement yeah real viking energy uh he has i guess that does kind of i don't know if you saw the end of the fight then i think that's when i left was during yeah. that fight <laughs> oh fair enough though uh I really I feel mixed about Strickland's behavior at the end because with 20 seconds he kind of gestured to Hermansen I'm gonna put my feet down come swing at me which like Max Holloway kind of immortalized that uh, in a fight it was against Ricardo Lamas where after just taking it to him for 14 and a half minutes dominating the fight he said like come swing at me let's throw down in the middle which like if you've if you've lost the last 14 minutes and you try and do that, it's like, okay, why would he play that game and take the 50-50 chance that the like incredible performance you just built up on just because the loser is like trying to bait you? But if you've won the entire fight up to this point, that's your right to engage in that type of behavior. Max Holloway immortalized it because he proceeded to light Llamas up in the pocket for those last thirty seconds as well. Uh, Hermanson kind of nibbled but didn't really bite at the offer, and uh, Strickland kind of called him a pussy. As like the last few seconds came, I don't think Hermanson understood because he fist bumped him like immediately after mm-hmm. and looked and they tried to give him a little hug. I think Strickland was pretty confused by it too. Uh, so kind of conflicted there between like you won the fight if you want to offer that throw down it's your right too. and like i don't know if he's necessarily a pussy for not wanting to go toe to toe and risk serious brain damage i think he's welcome to just accept the loss had to get that or thought i'd get that out there as well so the jury's still out on strickland's behavior for me but An incredible like blue collar performance where he did nothing flashy nothing ridiculously hard to wrap your head around but everything fundamental so phenomenally well Um, definitely a type of fan that performance really targets and uh, I think it's a great type of fighter to have in the UFC for sure that sort of behavior I think kind of part of the package so oh well one last combat corner note before we transition to basketball. Congratulations to Malcolm Gordon, Alexis Davis, and Meen Hakeem Dawadu for all getting wins on the evening. That puts the Canadians three for four in the W column that night, which is a pretty good outcome. I'll take that happily. That's going to wrap up this Combat Corner. Really excited to have all this time off to go deep on this Adesanya-Whitaker fight. I can't remember the last fight I was this excited for till that preview uh, Combat Corner resting as we move on to other segments. Max is
0: going to be in his bag on Thursday. Y'all get ready. All right, uh, before we jump into basketball storylines, breaking news. Get Max's live reaction here. The Indiana Pacers are sending... Karis Levert and a 2022 second round pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Ricky Rubio, a lottery protected 2022 first and a 2022 second and a 2027 second round pick.
1: What's a lottery protected first this year. Yes. Yes. See, this is the move I feel the Raptors should be making.
0: Yeah, it's, I think the Raptors have a much greater need at the center position um, to really round up their lineup. But this is, this is, this is a big move for Cleveland because Ricky mm Rubio is a guy who might not be back for the rest of the season. You instantly trade a guy who can't bring any more value to your team, to a guy who may be in their team now for the extended future. He's Mm -hmm. Levert is a young enough player that you can stick him in this core. This is, Instantly makes Colin Sexton much more available to teams and much more expendable for the Cavaliers. So opportunity to pull some value in there as well. Um, And Karis Levert is a nice kind of wing to have that provides that scoring pop um, that they're really missing on this team. They've got production out of their larger lineups. And then they've got Darius Garland, of course, but that Okoro position, that Stevens position, uh, that Dean Wade position, like that wing that can give you a little bit more scoring pop. That's a big trade for them to make. And it doesn't, doesn't feel like they gave up too much um, hurts. They're probably going to lose that first round pick if they may, if they stay kind of where they are in terms of middle of the East, but it's a price you got to give up. If your team is starting to have the success and, It's an opportunity to build on it. Like Karis Silvert is probably a better player now and a couple of years from now than you would get out of a late first round draft pick. Yeah,
1: and I think you've got to give your guys some confidence and a reward for playing this well this far into the season. It's you're clearly a win-now team hanging with all these big dogs in the East, being well-separated from that 6-10 to wildcard seed. If the GM and ordinary management sit on the fence about if you're still in the rebuild phase or you're in the win-now phase, that can cause some doubt, uh, a lack of confidence. It signals to free agents. Um, This kind of move signals what this team feels like it is at in terms of stages where they're aiming. And as you said, I think Levert kind of fills the last hole this team has and really rounds out its starting lineup super well. Uh, If you're a win now team, a lottery protected first for a player that's going to make an impact in your starting lineup and fill a need, I think is a trade you have to make uh, in order to push your team to be better, to signal to the players where you're at uh, the intangibles on this type of decision, for me, far balance out and uh, overcorrect the value you're losing on a potential late first-round steal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And already signs coming out that Karis LeVert is thrilled about the trade and he's mm-hmm. looking forward to joining this team. Sabonis um, <laughs> going like, are you sure you guys don't want another big player, Cleveland? And, that, and that's the other part of it is the Indiana Pacers now in full sell mode. Um moving Karis Levert essentially for cap room plus a first and a second. Could they have gotten more perhaps, but it was more a move to get them out of the the edge of the luxury tax. And so they're in full fire sale mode. Now I would be surprised if we didn't see one of Sabonis or Turner moving uh, before the deadline. I mean, both those guys are like 24, So it Mm. seems kind of ridiculous that they would move off of them, but they could get a huge package and just really start fresh with their
1: team. Yeah, I'm not deep enough into Pacers to really be able to prescribe what's best for them. Just been hearing all the talk along with everyone about the rift between those two players and Levert being out does signal this team is trading. They've accepted that they're a selling team. It's it seems really hard to understand why they would hang on to both those players with all those pieces together. So
0: definitely something to follow as the trade deadline comes up this week. Uh, it also means that Eric Gordon was a guy who was linked to the Cavaliers is now open for other teams to possibly make a move on. Um, and, and we'll see what else goes down, but this might be the, the move that opens the floodgates for teams. Let's talk games last night. The marquee matchup that everyone tuned in for, just simply because of the size and influence of these two franchises, the New York Knicks head to Crypto.com Arena to take on the Los Angeles Lakers. And this game goes to overtime after the Knicks hold a 15-point lead at half. Uh, And really, we got to see a bunch of different interesting aspects and kind of typifies the season for both of these teams, in a sense, where uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis... Really, really great stuff from them, and, and Russell Westbrook just not seeming to fit in. A couple of just brutal bank shots that didn't touch anything. Um, corner three that he missed, crowd starts booing him. Uh, a couple of really bad turnovers where he kind of just fumbled the ball, gave it away. And a tough night for him, despite the Lakers getting the big win. It, it did not look great, and he really got saved by some of the supporting cast uh, the Lakers. You had Malik Malik Monk uh, with a huge second half performance, uh, avalanche 9-0 run by himself, and then Trevor Ariza with a big shot late in the overtime to kind of wrap things up. And if you're the Lakers, it's great that you have these guys back, but you don't want to be re- purely relying on LeBron and AD to do this every night because. LeBron with the triple-double and AD with with uh, high 20s points. It's just, it's sustainable come playoff time, but there's still a lot of this season to ride out. And Russell Westbrook, when is he ever going to buy in? Who knows? Could he be on the move? Um, we're going to keep following that. And then on the other side, RJ Barrett with an excellent game. He's had a really inconsistent season. Uh, same with Julius Randle. He had an awesome game last night, but then the rest of the Knicks players did not give them much in terms of production. And th- it's another tough loss for a team that seemed seem to be on the upswing and now has taken a huge regressive setback. And at this point they, they are in danger of falling out of the play in and l- turning around and seeing, okay, what do we have left to build here? Because we have this team that looked good last year, looked more enticing for stars, but still can't seem to get over that hump and find the one big fish to turn this this franchise around.
1: Yeah, I was able to catch the first half of this game, and neither team particularly great defensively. It seemed like one pass one cut, one drive to the net was all the Knicks needed to open up something. Like they would swing the ball and somehow find an open three. Someone would drive in and the kickback would be there again for the look. Um, the, someone was always getting open, forcing a double, and they were able to swing the ball. Barrett with one of the like quietest 17 points I've seen in a first quarter where he just... Filled his role being the open guy, knocking down the shots. When he got the ball in the post, nothing too flashy, but really simple efficient movements to get great looks. Uh, And then on the contrary, other side, just getting LeBron or AD in motion to the net and snapping to the ball at some point of them in that motion to the paint, the Knicks had no answer for it. Uh, That was the only real consistent look the Lakers could get in that first bit. Uh, Other points just kind of coming sporadically and with no real consistency on any play type or calling that they could dig into. So it's not really surprising to me that the Lakers' defensive problem was a lot easier to tighten up and fix than the Knicks' defensive problem of just not having an answer for two superstars doing superstar things. Um, as for Westbrook, like, his co- the turnovers are comical, but this team's problems run so much deeper than him. And I don't – he uh, does almost seem to have bought in in the sense that he just looks defeated. When, like, when he's carrying the ball, uh, Randall had a block on him early where it was kind of a one-on-one, 50-50, am I going to get the dunk, are you going to get the block type play? And Randall got the block easily. I think Westbrook realizing he just can't be the player he wants to be on this team has put him in a mental state where he's doing everything in a more minimal toned down role. And it's just not vibing well with his ego, which is important to his style of play. Um, I, I don't know how much more you're going to get out of him. I We say every year, like, wait for him to start turning it up, cranking it up. But has there been a year where he's been this bad, this late into a season? Uh, really tough to say. And I think
0: what will really do them wonders is they're finally going to hopefully have a stretch here where they can play these three guys together and figure things out. Mm-hmm. They will have the all-star break to get the reps in as well together is at this point, it's about health and keeping him. Um, I don't see a way where another team is going to take on Russ. So these, the Lakers are just going to have to figure it out, whatever that ends up being. If he's just going to like never share the floor with these two guys, you'll have your, your four minutes a night when LeBron and Anthony Davis don't play, and that's when Russ is on the court. It's Whatever it ends up being, um, they're going to have to figure it out. And as of right now, it's still not in a place where they need it to be.
1: I don't know if in the condensed recap you caught it, but uh, Stan Van Gundy had a. He was just talking about um, that, like, can the Lakers stay healthy? And two really funny things I thought. One, he said in the last like 10 days, 13 of the 24 All Stars have had to miss a game or something. Maybe it was 14 days. And his point was like, You just can't say if this team can keep all their star players healthy because in today's NBA, that simply doesn't happen. Unless (laughs) you're the Toronto Raptors was his point uh, going in on this team's ridiculous minutes from those five players. And uh, just kind of nice to see the Raptors get some notice. And uh, I'll try not to think about the implications of putting those two thoughts together.
0: Well, even Van Vleet missed a couple games, I believe, a week ago uh, yeah. during I mean, their stretch. He probably won of
1: those 13 players then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Last bit to touch on here. Uh, sneakily, Anthony Davis, since he's been back, has been really great. In his last five games here, he's averaging 29 points a game, 13 rebounds, two and a half assists, basically two steals and three blocks with nearly eight free throw attempts per game. These are massive, massive numbers. Like this is the the all NBA Anthony Davis that the Lakers were missing early in the season. He still put up great counting stats, but just didn't feel as dominant on the floor. Um, And that totally does change the track trajectory. Even if Russell Westbrook is stays the exact same the rest of the season, we've seen that these two guys by themselves have the ability to completely change playoff series when they did in the bubble. Um, And Anthony Davis can be an MVP caliber player at his very, very peak. So will we see that? Who knows? Another guy uh, around in the MVP conversation at the peak of his performance is John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies have been, just receiving all the love and praise. We were on them pretty early, um, but it's it's full mainstream now. These guys are beloved everywhere. Everyone's hearing about them, these young dogs that are not afraid to back down. They'll talk to anyone. Uh, Desmond Bain, I think a couple weeks ago, sang to LeBron James, ain't nobody scared of those footsteps. Uh, just lines like that, they're not going to back down. And John ja Morant, at the head of the snake, um, is just so so explosive. There's no one who can stay in front of him right now. Uh, he drops an easy 33 5 and 7 against the Orlando Magic yesterday in a blowout win with a couple. Like, this is this is the new Lob City in a way where you just you tune in to watch these guys do some really athletic stuff. There was a a steal going one way Morant behind the back to Zaire Williams who throws up the lob to De'Anthony Melton and the whole bench all jumping at the same time as Melton to catch the lob like these guys love each other and they're so connected as a unit on and off the court Um, and Morant of course the head of that I don't know if you saw his poster on Robin Lopez but just He's, he's operating at a different speed than everyone else on the court right now, and this is a team that they could totally stand pat at the deadline and be just fine where they are, but it, it is a team that is a sneaky contender to do a three-for-one type deal and get a big available star that no one really sees um, on the map. Uh, I don't think they will because that's not the culture they've built. You don't really want to mess with everything going so well with these guys. Uh, but there's just, it's just such a fun team to watch right now. Everyone is bought in, and they're having so much fun. And it reminds me of the Brooklyn Nets team of a couple of years ago when you had guys dancing all around <laughs> during games. And it reminds me of the Golden State Warriors teams where everything they touch seemed to turn to gold. Every moment was a highlight, and and that's where Memphis is right now on their run. I think they're 27-8 and in in their last 35. Really, really impressive stuff from the Grizzlies.
1: The team I was thinking of actually was last year's Phoenix Suns, the team who made a bit of noise in the playoffs or bubble. They didn't make the playoffs, but they went flawless in the bubble uh, and then just kept rolling from there. And then put on a pretty good regular season above where anyone had them picked to be, and then really lit it up in the playoffs. So you look at this Memphis team who made a bit of noise in last year's playoffs, taking out Golden State to get into the play-in game. I think they lost to the Jazz in six, seven? Uh, it was five, I think,
0: but they had, okay. it was that statement game was yeah, the first took game the first where game he, where he them, dropped right? 40 plus okay. against the defensive
1: player of the year. So they've made that bit of noise. They've had that playoff lick. They're putting it all together right now. When that playoff time comes up, they have the confidence, they have the depth, they have the unity. Uh, you've got to give that at least one trial run before you start thinking about messing with the chemistry, dropping a big name. I mean, we Raptors fans know better than almost anyone else that sometimes that is just what you need to do to get over the hump. But let's see them tested and yeah. see if and where they're lacking first. I'm really looking forward to that come the, the, Yeah, the
0: Raptors did go like six seasons before actually yeah. making that that all-in move so for sure definitely agree with that approach and if the if the playoffs started today the Grizzlies would be the three seed in the west uh they would go up against the Denver Nuggets which would be a fascinating matchup because you're playing against the reigning MVP and Nikola Jokic and a Nuggets team that has made it to a western conference finals in in recent memory so this is a Memphis team that is having that great success but it Kind of falls into some of the teams of the past where it's fully young guys. They haven't, they've gotten the taste of the playoffs, but they haven't gotten locked into one of those second round series that goes six games and you're grinding out every minute. And that is what they're going to experience this year. It could be against Denver, second round could be a Golden State, which would be awesome after last year's play in game where they went to Chase Center and beat the Warriors in a game where everyone was expecting us to have a, a Steph Curry. Led Golden State team go into the playoffs, and and Memphis shut them out. Um, that would be a really really fun series. So there, I don't, I think the ceiling of this team is probably a second round team, but who knows? There may be a move, or there may be a a couple of breaks away from a Western Conference Finals. Uh, and and I wouldn't be too surprised with the way that this team competes on both ends of the floor. All right, last bit to cover here, Um, kind of just to look at the standings. The Denver Nuggets are currently up by 16 with four minutes left over the Brooklyn Nets, who are about to drop their ninth in a row now, I think it's going to be. And without having played today, there is a possibility that the Raptors jump into a tie, or they would actually jump into the sixth seed with a Nets loss, and then heading into tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets after the Hornets and Wizards both lost last night, Raptors really in control of their own destiny to grab hold of this six seed, as we talked about in the previous podcast.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and last bit of stat from the uh, Nuggets – Nets game on right now Nikola Jokic has a double double in 292 of his 500 career (laughs) NBA games played so nearly 60% and I gotta imagine like a good chunk of those games as well were when he was coming off the bench earlier in his career Mm -hmm. for Denver when Yusuf Nurkic was the starting center
1: I'd love to hear his most recent 400 how much that number shifts Yeah. yeah how much the percentage shifts he's so awesome man he's so awesome
0: All right, that's it for basketball storylines. We'll do a quick check-in here of the NHL All-Star break. Um, Trevor Zegres, the NHL messes up again, completely robbed with maybe the greatest breakaway goal of all time in the NHL breakaway challenge. Have you seen this goal, Max? No. Oh, my God. You have to go watch it right now while I talk about it. This Um, is always tricky. It was dodgeball-inspired.
1: Like the TV or movie?
0: the movie, uh, he was blindfolded and he does Ah. this crazy lacrosse goal, um, job dropping stuff and they give it to Jack Hughes, who has a great goal, um, or a great breakaway challenge moment, the magic, and then bringing out the mini me, but I just based off the highlights, it feels like Zigris was robbed and feels a little bit like an Aaron Gordon type moment in the NBA dunk contest and the NHL just gets it wrong again. That was the, that may have been the best event of their weekend and it ends in controversy. Uh, yeah. More retooling necessary for the NHL skills competition. And then meanwhile in the NHL all-star game, Claude Giroux named the MVP as the uh, Metro all-stars win them, the mini tournament there. <clears throat> and it's an interesting guy to win the MVP because many people have him possibly at the top of the trade bait list heading into the trade deadline. The Philadelphia Flyers not having the season that they intended and he would be an awesome pickup for a Colorado, a Tampa, a Toronto, a, like all the contenders you could name. He's on a pretty decent contract for the type of player that he is and he has seen the playoffs before tough player, strong on the puck, obviously an elite playmaker and finisher and uh, whichever team could grab him, that would instantly boost your chances. I just don't know if, if there is a move that Philadelphia want to make, but um, cool to see his name in the headlines as people are starting to theorize about him getting traded. It, you don't normally see an all-star MVP get traded, but it, it could be in the books. Could be.
1: The Leafs' Lightning and an Avs' forward cores seem a little too deep in the top six for a player like Giroux. <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> I'd actually love to see him go to Pittsburgh. Uh, that team just, whenever they have like a bit of star power to add to the Crosby-Malkin combo, it just seems to push them over the edge. Um, and I'd also just love to see Sid and Claude playing together on the same team. So maybe a bit masochistic.
0: I'd also see... Yeah, I'd also see sneaky Minnesota as a team. We talked about mm. how they are all they are all in this season. So maybe a team that looks to add Giroux to a, a line with Kaprizov, that could be pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, we'll. I guess we'll see. I uh, Philadelphia looking pretty out. <laughs> Like, that's uh, 38 points in 45 games, with uh, Boston holding the second wild card at 55 points in 43 games. You can pretty much call Philly's season here, eh? Yeah. Yeah. An unfortunate uh, run. Sabres, Devils, Senators, and Habs all below Philly. The Islanders, same number of points, six games back, though. I guess they maybe still have a chance for it. Yeah. A couple teams out of the running
0: disappointing for a Philadelphia team that I picked to have yeah. a ton of success last year. I didn't this year. Um, I picked them to have a ton of success last year, but uh, no, not to be, not to be. I don't know if we're going to get demonetized for this.
1: Ah, uh, I don't think so. Okay ridiculous I, stuff here. i did try and load the skull on my phone but it wasn't working and then i said ah fuck the all-star break anyway this, this is good content eh yeah uh here we go the spinner oh my what the lacrosse wow I'm going to need to see that another three times, but I think I just saw a bunch of mascots run on, whip dodgeballs at Zegras as he goes down the ice, spins around, and somewhere in there, the puck ends up in the net.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He scored it. And, like, what is that? Nine? Eight? How are the? How is it not tens across the board? I... He even looks rattled. Yeah. This kid is so good for
1: the sport. 100 percent this
0: i don't it's, <laughs> i don't <know. laughs> this is um, this is great this is great radio right here
1: yeah okay he goes he's he it's such an art for the goalies tr- making it look like they're trying to make the save and also letting yeah. most of those goals in
0: yeah uh, definitely an well underrated done. part definitely an underrated part of the all-star game yeah
1: that's just fine <laughs> right. though
0: Good segment there. Uh, Let's finish it up with some tennis talk. Absolutely.
1: Uh, We only have one match to recap today. The finals of the Montpellier finals in France uh, that saw Bublik take out Sasha Zverev in just two sets. Really shocking result. This one seemed in the bag for Sasha, the way he'd been playing this tournament. Uh, They go back and forth, holding pretty dominant each on their serve in the first set, and the first break points go to Bublik, and Zverev mucks up a slam, a really easy slam, uh, right at the front of the net, putting it straight down pretty much. And then goes right into the net on a pretty standard forehand when he's down the break point, giving Bublik the break, who takes that space and runs with it. And look, no one plays perfect tennis all the time. Sometimes your opponent's just serving too well to break. Eventually, you're going to stumble on your own service game. But that next step, that next level is the self-belief to always fight back and get even after suffering those missteps. And what makes the big three the big three is their consistency in doing so, so regularly. A match like this, Zverev stumbles in the first set and then can't get out of his head in the second, dropping the break as well. And then down uh, 5-3 on his own serve, loses the match and getting skunked in that game. 45-love, I believe. Uh, Very similar to the Shapovalov game at the Australian where he just started out not great and then got in his own head and never really recovered. It continues to be a problem for Zverev. It's why he's playing these 250 tournaments as he gets ready for the ATP 1000 Masters that are all coming up. And it shows he has more work to do. Bublik will now be flying to Rotterdam where he'll take place in the 500 level uh, point event, which kicks off tomorrow now that the qualifiers are all set and done. Um, so, for the most exciting match of the first round, Bublik will be playing Andy Murray. Really looking forward to that one. Tomorrow, though, if you listened to our preview last episode, you know Kaminori and Basile Lashvi really desperate to get a win here, uh, their first win of 2022. they will they b- the only two seeded players up tomorrow, so that'll be the main storyline to focus on the men's singles. And I took a quick peek at the doubles and was kind of surprised how many seeded players are in it, but that'll be something a little fun to follow along as well. Tomorrow, we've got Andre Rublev and Karin Kashinov playing on the same team. Also in this draw, we've got Felix and Hubert the Pole playing together, Chapo playing with an Iranian and I feel like we had one more seeded player in there. Uh, I think Aslan Karatsev is playing with someone, but I can't think of who it was off the top of my head. Um, I'll be calling out the doubles just really to keep track of the wear and tear, who's playing a match pretty well every day. Andre Rublev, though, the defending champ of this tournament, if he can repeat that win and to take a doubles, maybe they start to think uh, contact statue makers in Rotterdam. So looking forward to next Thursday's episode to catch up on the first leg of this Rotterdam draw.
0: Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the rest of the week with NHL action resuming the NBA trade deadline, the big football game next weekend, of course, and then uh, the big fight next weekend, lots of stuff coming up in the sports calendar and we will be here to cover it all. Uh, But until then I have to head to ultimate frisbee looking forward to that and my guy max has to uh enjoy a night with his ticking time bomb <laughs> I said it not me uh
1: have you played forza at all i have not is that something i should i don't think it's another reason you should get an xbox it's um like on a 4k tv this new one's in Mexico and I've just been taking like 20 minutes most days to like drive around on the Mexican coast. And I'm kind of mature enough to play racing games now to drive and just drive properly, not end up on the road every 30 seconds. And that's just been wonderful.
0: Nice. Nice. I, yeah, I, uh, I was able to get to the Western conference finals in 2k today
1: in my first season still. Like you uh got dropped in the finals, or you're there now in the um actual finals pending. I just beat, just won the second round series oh, against gotcha. Golden State. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, who'd you get traded to off the Pistons? Oh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the-
0: me the- and Zion going yeah. crazy, <laughs> and I also made them trade for
1: Miles Turner, so it's a nice spacing option. Yeah. Well, there'll be another thing for us to check on with (laughs) anticipation next Thursday. Until then, Sports Next Door signing out.